Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's football commercial season. Become a USA Today Ad Meter panelist and watch and rate the big game commercials. You'll be entered to win a trip to the big game in 2022 just for registering. Sign up now and see official rules at admeter.usatoday.com. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. I think naturally, there's times where you let your mind go to maybe, well, I'm going to be a Packer for life, or I'm going to be, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to be like a Tim Duncan or a Jeter or a Kobe and play with one team my entire career. I think naturally you dream about that. I mean, that's kind of like a dream scenario, and I've talked about that for much of my career. I think, you know, when, when they drafted Jordan, it was more just like the reality kicking in going, hey, that's actually never the case. There are no absolutes in this business. And I think it, it's a beautiful thing to sit with and to and to wrap your head around, and I did. And, and I got to a, a beautiful place about it. It doesn't mean that that's not still a reality. I think that's the only reality, is that there is no absolutes in this business. I just reiterated that after the game, and I get it. Some people are like, well, you just threw 48 touchdowns and probably going to win MVP. Yeah, I understand that. But, again, there's no absolutes in this business. So I gave a a real answer in the moment. Um, And then people, obviously, it's a slow week. So (laughs) Well, there's Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers on what has been a really interesting weekly spot with his boy Pat McAfee each week and – as Aaron will often say, Zach, he's he's not going to give as much to those media scrubs on Wednesdays, but he'll open it up and shoot from the hip a little bit in those interviews with McAfee and A.J. Hawk. But Rodgers' future with the Packers has dominated much of the national conversation after kind of another soul-crushing loss in an NFC Championship game. And I want to get to that for sure. But, Zach, unfortunately, you've you've seen this narrative with the Packers play out before covering them, right? And, frankly, it's it's got to be getting old with this year's team especially. I mean, it was set up f- perfectly for them. And they might have had the best team in the league. So this one's yeah. painful and it hurts. Yeah, really tough way for this season. And, you know, they've, they've had some, some losses in NFC Championship games here over the last seven years. But this one's especially tough. You know, probably more than the recent ones because, you know, they're the number one seed. They're playing at home. Got the MVP quarterback. You know, win seven straight games to, to end the year. You just think about the way the Packers played all season. You know, being really good passing the ball protecting Aaron Rodgers really well, not turning the ball over, you know, dominating situationally. And then, you know, they go out on this big stage, you know, they play this way at home on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it's it's super disappointing. You know, this is such a great opportunity for them to finally get back after 10 years. And you know, I went back and watched the game, you know, a couple of times, and I found actually 18 
missed opportunities from them throughout the game where, you know, you change the outcome of this play and, you know, probably the whole game turns out, you know, quite a bit differently for them. So, yeah, it's tough. A very special season, but, you know, it ended in a terrible but very familiar way. That's painful. And uh, I do want to get into the Rodgers piece, but you just talked about protecting Rodgers and... I yeah. thought that was the key to the game was the pressure. Like they didn't get pressure on Brady really. Maybe yep. a few times in the second half and forced those interceptions. Uh, and one of them was directly related to pressure. But yeah. Rodgers was under pressure all day long, right? I mean, Shaq Barrett and JPP will be in his dreams, I think. You know, he's not going to be able to get them out of his head. They were all over yeah. him. The Bucks were all over Rodgers and I don't know if it was what you saw rewatching it. Was it like just a soft game plan on defense? We talked about it last week. Like the Packers had to get pressure on Brady. You got to do that. He's not yep. the same quarterback when there's guys in his face. But Brady wasn't really dealing with guys in his face. It was Rodgers who was dealing with that all game long with, with Barrett and JPP coming off the edge. And, and Vita Vea, you know, he's not going to show up in the stat sheet, but he was shoving guys right in there at Rodgers' face and collapsing the pocket a lot. So I thought pressure was the name of the game. And, and the Bucks were getting it on Rodgers. The Packers were not getting it on Brady. And, and Brady was just way yeah. too comfortable. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it last week. I wrote about it all last week. Pressure and turnovers were going to determine the game, and that's exactly what happened. You know, you're right all the but, time, Zach. Unfortunately, yeah, Bucks got consistent pressure. Packers didn't. Bucks scored 14 points off turnovers. Packers only got six off of three turnovers. So the game always felt very simple to break down going into it. You know, the team that was going to win the pressure battle and the turnover battle was going to win. And Bucks won both those battles again in the rematch, and now they're going to the Super Bowl. It's freaking painful, man. It's painful. <laughs> How is the league letting Brady back in a Super Bowl? I mean, it's just unbelievable. It really is it's just it's kind of stupid when you when you really think about it but so why is Rodgers' future with the Packers dominating the conversation he's under contract well it's because Rodgers brought it up right kind of unprompted yeah. in that post game thing where he said a lot of guys won't be here next year or a lot of guys' future with the team are is uncertain including myself and I find this fascinating Zach that Aaron kind of invited this narrative and I think you know, it's kind of dominated in the national media and everyone's got a take on this. And, you know, for me, you know, I think you wrote about leverage and that kind of feels what it is to me. I feel like Aaron's saying, look, you drafted my replacement in the first round and Jordan Love, you actually traded up to get him. And now I'm the MVP. And, you know, what's what's your move, Packers? You're going to restructure my deal and pay me. So I'm making more than Jared Goff. Like that would help. Right. Let's go. Let's start (laughs) there. Uh, So I think it's I think Aaron's kind of playing the game a little bit. But it's interesting to me that he would pick, you know, right after the game to kind of bring that out and put that out there. He wants that out there. There's no doubt about it. He talked about it with Pat McAfee as well. Actually, with Pat McAfee. He brought up Jordan Love. He brought up the team drafting Jordan. So I thought that was interesting. So uh, that's funny. I don't think the Packers are envision going into next season without Aaron Rodgers at all. They've already come out and said that. But this thing with Rodgers, and he still feels like he's got something left, and he kind of proved it this year. He's the MVP, probably got four or five years left, and he's kind of bringing up an uncertain future with the team. There's got a lot of layers to this, right? I mean, what was your yeah. reaction to that and, and maybe some of the some of the talk about Rodgers in his future? Yeah, I, I mean, initially just listening to that press conference, I was kind of kind of shocked the way he was talking too because he did have a certain tone and, you know, some of the things he was saying, it, it, it was definitely worth talking about. But, you know, t- taking a step back, a couple days removed, you know, uh, if they've kind of all all the major people have addressed the situation and really nothing has has changed much you know the same factors are still in play I, and you you touched on it. i think if anything's changed it's that rogers has a lot more lever- leverage in this situation now coming off an mvp season 
it's totally reasonable that the league's MVP who has said he wants to be in Green Bay long-term, you know, it's, it's reasonable he uses some of that leverage to gain back some, you know, control over the situation, you know, gain some security, avoid potentially being a lame duck quarterback next year. So I think that's probably the most interesting part of this whole deal. Now that we're a few days out, it's, it's not Rogers leaving. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, I'm certain he's going to be the quarterback next year, but you know, he's, he's regained a little bit of control, I think. And, you know, he's, he's almost at that point where he can, you know, almost push Jordan Love out of the equation a little bit here. You know, mm-hmm. he had such an incredible season. He's still only 37. He was healthy all year. He didn't have any kind of injury issue. You know, you, you look at his contract, and I, I think there is a window here for him to, you know, get what he wants. He wants to be in Green Bay long term. He wants to know that he's, he's not just going to be here for one more year. So I, I think it's only fair for him to know what the team is thinking, both, you know, next year and long term. So, yeah, that's definitely the storyline I'm going to be watching now. With McAfee, he even, I think he talked about Zach. He didn't even miss a practice this year, right? He said he was yeah. healthy and he, and he made it through the whole year. And I just, think all of that is calculated you know, Rogers we know how smart he is you know nothing yep. he said everything he says there's a point and there's a reason to it right and I, I think he's right. I think he's trying to as you wrote kind of Jimmy Garoppolo Jordan Love he's trying to get him out yeah. of town man he's like it, it ain't gonna be me just like Tom Brady did the right. Jimmy Garoppolo with my with my Patriots back in the day and uh, you know people are talking about oh the Packers should trade Aaron Rodgers well maybe it's more likely that they end up trading yeah. Jordan Love you know down right. down the line here because earlier on in the season during one of our earlier episodes I'm like you know the Packers were up you know they blew out a team and you know, there was no reason to really play the starters in the fourth quarter. And I'm like, Zach, why won't they put Jordan Love in the game? And you're like, well, he's not yeah. active. It would help if he was active, Ryan, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, Jordan Love was like, a, it was like a redshirt year for him. We yeah. didn't really see him. So that's why I'm so surprised at this narrative because it's not like Jordan Love is even close to being ready to play. There's no way the Packers are planning on going forward without Rodgers next year. It's just not the case. Yeah, I, I I think you're exactly right. There's there's really no way they can trade him at this point and turn to Jordan Love after he was inactive for every single game. I think, you know, just the way Rodgers played, you know, he's earned himself some leverage in this situation. I think we're, like you said, we're definitely at a point where this whole situation is closer to Jordan Love becoming Jimmy Garoppolo than it is, you know, Jordan Love replacing Jordan, or Aaron Rodgers in mm-hmm. next year or even 2022. You know, especially if... I, you look at the next couple months, if, if they redo that deal, you know, they, they probably are going to have to consider, you know, trading Jordan love because you tack on two or three more years to that deal and you're confident Aaron Rodgers can be good over that span. And there's really just no point in having Jordan love on the roster. You should just trade him, get, get some assets back for him. And then, you know, maybe spin the quarterback carousel in a couple of years again. I'm sure you could get something for him. Like, there's no film on the kid. Nobody knows, right? Yeah. So he's got the same value he had coming out of the yeah. draft, right? Like, come on. Right. Not even preseason. There's nothing. So that is interesting. Yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. And and I agree with you. If they restructure Rodgers, yeah, that that's definitely on the table. You know, this is another thing I heard kind of some national talking heads talking about. And I, I think this is definitely the case. Rodgers maybe not enjoying that pick. You know, in the first round, maybe the Packers could have picked someone to help the offense there, Zach, instead of, you know, investing in his replacement. Uh, so early in the draft, right? Maybe the team didn't do as much as they could to to help the offense, and and I wonder, like, does Rodgers kind of hold that pick against them a little bit? Like, I, I wonder if he's if he's upset about that, and there's a thing there. You know, I just don't know because you look at it, 
yeah, the team added Tavon Austin, but he wasn't much of a factor, was he? He just wasn't. No. He, didn't, he didn't end up integrating, and you're kind of rolling with guys like Alan Lazard and MV, MVS had a breakout year. There's no doubt about it. But Lazard, a little bit of a disappointing year, you know, kind of struggled with some injuries. They didn't add to the tight end room either, although Tungyan kind of broke out. Um, I don't know. Like, you look, maybe they could have used that draft pick for something a little bit better that could have helped the team this year. Uh, yeah. I wonder if Rodgers is thinking that. Yeah, I'm not ne- sure he necessarily holds the pick against the Packers. I think he, he understood it probably, and it probably served as more of a wake-up call to him than anything. But, yeah, I, I know he was you know he was expecting a receiver in that spot. He, he pretty much made that clear yeah. right after the pick. I, you know, I, I think there were some spots this year when, you know, not adding another big town on the offense hurt, but – you know, you got you got us to say. You know, they accomplished a lot overall. They were the top scoring offense, great in the passing game. You know, Rod Rogers' life was actually made, you know, pretty easy overall by the by the the scheme. And you know, even on Sunday, they they scored twenty six points in that game, and they probably would have won the game if Devontae Adams catches that ball in the end zone and Aaron Jones doesn't fumble. You know, pretty much handing the Bucks seven points. So agreed. I, I, I really want them to add talent. I, I thought they really needed a receiver back in April, but I, I, I don't necessarily think the talent ended up being the, the, the big issue of this offense. You know, the scheme and the quarterback, you know, it really elevated everything else to an elite level. I got I got to agree with you, Zach. You've been tweeting about the, uh, you know, writing about the stats all year. It's not hard to have mm-hmm. better stats than the Packers had, right? Uh, but right. I just like Aaron kind of lived through the whole thing with Brett Favre. He was the guy that replaced Favre. He saw the team trade Brett Favre and go to him. Yep. So I just I have to believe that he thinks about it. I, I find that so fascinating. It'll be something to follow. But I don't know. Speaking of Rodgers not agreeing with some of the things the team is doing, well, let's get into this game a little bit, right? So um, there's a lot of interesting decisions going on in this game that we should get to but one thing that you wrote and i saw this story and i read it right right before the game kicked off zach and you were writing about rogers's legacy this is a topic on last week's podcast as well it was just a game that i definitely felt that rogers needed to win it was set up on a platter for him at home a chance to knock off tom brady get to his second super bowl now he's got to sit there and listen to himself being one in four in conference championship games yeah. when he starts. And, and that hurts. And I know Rodgers cares. I know he knows his stats. I know he cares about the MVPs. I've got to believe that he cares about this legacy piece. And this has got to be eaten at him today, Zach. I, I just have to believe that. Oh, yeah, it's definitely eating at him. It was such an important legacy moment. Look, we we judge quarterbacks on a lot of different things. You know, some of them are important, important, some of them aren't. But winning these big games and playing for Super Bowls is absolutely one of them. And now, you know, he has four straight failures in NFC title games since winning the Super Bowl. And I, I just think back to, you know, early 2011. They had just won the Super Bowl. You know, that team looked loaded around Aaron Rodgers. He was 26 or 27 years old. And you're thinking, you know, this team is going to win, you know, three, four titles before this is over. And now we're here, 2021, Rodgers is 37. He hasn't been back. He's lost four straight games. You know, he had all these opportunities in the fourth quarter to go and win that game, and he didn't do it. You know, Tom Brady's going to the Super Bowl now instead of him. So, yeah, he, he's probably going to have a few more shots at this before it's all said and done. But, you know, you look at his career and 
he's obviously a great player, great stats, but at this point, you know, he's more Steve Young than he is Joe Montana, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And and that's something sure. that, man, he had a golden chance to try to kind of erase, start erasing that narrative. And unfortunately, that's yeah. one that's going to continue to chase him. But, you know, in terms of this game, and there was a few turning points, but I mean, how can you not start with the, you know, the end of that second quarter and what went down and the Packers mm-hmm. turning it over and then the Bucks kind of have this fourth and four situation where Arians calls the timeout Zach and then you know then they change their mind they put Brady and the offense back on the field and and for me watching it live I'm like ah, what's what what is what's the plan here like they pick up the first down so that was that was fine they pick up the first but then they have to burn their last time out yep. well there's only what six seconds left they're at the 39 yard line there's really nothing they can do right unless you leave Scotty Miller one-on-one their best deep threat one-on-one on the outside like I just I, I still cannot believe the Packers let this happen and I know uh, LaFleur kind of addressed it post game and kind of said, we can't be in that coverage. But for yeah. me, I, I, th- I think this is a criticism on LaFleur. I think he's, he's got a lot of potential to be a, like one of the best coaches in the league. I really believe that. His, his offensive stuff is unbelievable. But we know the special teams, <laughs> there is a big gap there. So they, they got to yeah. fix the special teams. And it just feels like LaFleur is still kind of one of these guys that just lets the defense, he lets. Mike Pettin and that crew kind of handled the defense. And I feel like if he was upset about the coverage there, well, he should have overruled it. He should have been all over yeah. it. And I just think that's one thing in LaFleur's game in the offseason that I'm really looking at. Like, he's got to be less of an offensive guy and more of a head coach yeah. that manages the game. Because I think the Packers kind of dropped the ball there. Huge. You cannot give up a touchdown there. You can't. I mean, if the Bucks can figure out a way to pick up some yards, get out of bounds, and kick the field goal, good for them. That's really hard to do in six right. seconds. It really is. Yep. It's hard to execute that thing. The one thing you can't let happen, they let happen. And it, I still can't believe the Bucks scored a touchdown on that play. I really can't. It's just, it blows my mind. But what do you think about that whole sequence? Like, it's almost inexcusable. It, I know they've been trying to explain it. It's inexcusable. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I want to say, the the play before the fourth down play, Tom Brady throws up a lollipop and the Packers safety, Will Redmond, totally whiffs on the interception. So I think that was a huge play. Yep. And then we're the fourth or the the long touchdown, like the most amazing blend of coaching and player claps I think I've ever seen. Mm. Because it, you talked about LaFleur, he absolutely had a chance to stop that because the Packers had a timeout. So they could have, you know, went to the line, seen what the Bucks were doing, see how they lined up, and then called timeout and figured out exactly what they wanted to do for coverage and mm-hmm. how they wanted to stop that. Instead, you know, they, they play this just terrible coverage, you know, the the, the worst call that Mike Biden could have had in that situation. And then, you know, Kevin King plays his coverage on his side about as poorly as he possibly could have. Like, the worst coverage you could ever have in that situation. And, you know, it turns into a game-changing touchdown that, you know, without it, you know, you, you probably feel pretty good about the Packers winning the game. So I I still put a lot of the blame on King. Like, that's the only thing he needed to do was not give up a play over his head, and he still did it. But, you know, the coaching let him down, too. That's a terrible call. They didn't call a timeout. They were so clearly unprepared for the situation. And, you know, that just cannot happen in a big moment in a big game like that. Oh, it's a killer. And it wasn't King. King was on the injury report all week, Zach, with like a back injury. right? Yeah. And he's one on one with their really their only deep threat. Like Scotty Miller's yeah. their deep guy. <laughs> and it's Kevin King one on one who's got a back injury trying to keep up with Scotty Miller. I just thought, I mean, yeah, I agree. It was terrible coverage, obviously, but help him out. Help him out. My God. Yeah. So that was brutal. And then I was just, I was stunned in real time 
late in the game when the Packers are down eight, obviously, and you know, this is another big topic that everyone's talking about. We got to get into it here. You know, the Packers are, are inside the 10 yard line on a fourth down and they decide to kick the field goal to go down five with two Oh five left. And for me, I was like, I was just stunned. I, I, when, uh, when they had the incomplete pass on third down, I was like, okay, what are they going to do on fourth? Like I just nowhere in my mind did I think field goal. I just thought, okay, here's the yeah. game. Here's the ball game right here. They got to score. Yep. Uh, and when the field goal team trotted out there, I was just stunned and I felt so good, Zach, when I looked at Twitter and I saw your tweet when you had sat a million question marks like field goal. Like, you know, you were you were stunned. We're all stunned. Like, I don't know what analytics chart LaFleur is looking at to kick that field goal. I mean, I understand that if you get the ball back, it gives you a better chance to win. Like, I, I get that yeah. part. So I'm sure there's some reasoning and he's probably a lot smarter than me. But for me, just looking at it, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Devontae Adams, the two most dominant red zone guys you know, on the planet, right? This season, they've been unstoppable. I know they were having a hard time connecting in this game. They were kept trying it. But I'm just, there's no way when I'm eight yards from the end zone, I'm risking Rodgers never getting another chance. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just cannot yeah. believe they gave, as poorly as Brady was playing in that second half, I still cannot believe he gave him the ball. And you kind of, when you do that, you kind of open yourself up to all the other crap that happens the automatic yeah. first down five yard penalty you open yourself up to that because if it gets called you're screwed you're going to lose so yeah. everything has to be perfect and it's just so hard to be perfect on defense against brady when they have that whole thing there at the end of the game that's just so yeah. tough brady's been in that position a hundred times oh, i just i can't stand that call <laughs> i hate it zach and i know you yeah. don't like it either yeah, I, I was totally shocked in the moment when he kicked the field goal. I would, yeah, you know, I wrote that tweet and I was texting people. I just could not believe he <laughs> settled for the field What's goal. And, and you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, you hear him talk about it. It sure sounds like he was shocked too. So kind of damning, but, right? The way he's described it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, about. yeah. I, I'm actually going to defend Lafleur here just for Ooh, a I second. I like it. Oh, contrarian take. I, I, I like just, this. Just give the just give the other side of it because I think this is the way he saw it. First of all the Packers were absolutely terrible in the red zone prior to that play. True. You know, they had the series in the first half where they threw three incompletions, kicked a field goal. Then they come down again, three incompletions. So I can see where the Fleur's confidence in that situation, even though they've been so good in the red zone, I can see where his confidence would have been really low in scoring the touchdown and getting the two point. So I get that. And I really think, you know, he, he's, he's just picking from two really bad options. You know, you look at the win probability on either of the decisions, it's really low. So I think, you know, he's thinking, let's win this game in regulation. Let's, if you kick the field goal, you get the stop, then you have a chance to go win it. You know, if, I, I don't think he wanted to play for the tie, to be perfectly honest, because I think that introduces some other va- variables that you don't like, like, like let's say they score a touchdown on that fourth down. They still need to get the two point. They need to get another stop on Tom Brady with the game on the line. And then they need to go win the game in overtime. So, you know, that's a lot too. I think I still would have gone for it. Just thinking about it the last couple of days, I'm, I'm still pretty sure I would have gone for it in that situation, but I, I, I get why LaFleur didn't, you know, it, it sucks that he didn't. I, I, I think the worst part about it is that, we're going to have to look back now and wonder what have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, would they have scored that touchdown and got the two points? So that's the worst part about it is that, like you said, they took the ball out of Rodgers' hands in a big spot in a big game, and now we, we don't know if he could have won it for him. 
Yeah, it's true. I mean, Rodgers talked about with McAfee, thought it was four down territory. So obviously the coach mm-hmm. and the quarterback were not on the same page. I'm glad you did that little spiel, though, Zach, because I do. <laughs> I feel a little bit better about it now. I was just I, I just could not wrap my head around it. And, and I still kind of can't. But I keep forgetting that Brady would have had two minutes to come down and score at least a field goal to yeah. take the lead anyway. Even if you're yeah. lucky enough to score, which is low percentage, and then get the two-point conversion, which is low percentage as well, to, to for all that to happen. Yeah. So I'm sure the analytics was saying, yes, this is what you do, and LaFleur did it. I, but come on. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just I, I think he was just stuck between re- two really terrible options. Yeah. And yeah. Th- th- he's getting he's getting nailed on it because he picked his defense over, you know, Aaron Rodgers, sure. which, you know, that's probably fair. Well, I mean, in his, you're right. In his defense, his offense was – crappy in the red zone all day and Rodgers wasn't really mm-hmm. trusting anyone else besides Devontae and he was yep. just kind of trying to force it to, to Devontae so uh, that thing and then you know look Brady played like freaking crap in that second half he was terrible in the second yeah. half so, I don't yeah. know, Brady tightened up in that second half so maybe LaFleur really thought he'd get the ball back but obviously it didn't happen and it didn't happen because of this holding call on poor Kevin King uh, <laughs> on Tyler Johnson and people are very outraged about this Zach and for me I just want to say, first of all, I freaking love how this game was called. I noticed the lack of flags. It wasn't until I looked at you know, the box score at the end that I realized how few flags there really were. I think it was like six yep. flags total all game. Uh, yep. But you could tell during the game. I'm just like, oh, my God. I love this. There's been no flags in this game, and I freaking love it. Keep it up, please. But I just don't – I don't see how you can't call when the guy's got a handful of jersey and he's stretching the jersey that far. I mean – I just feel I know the flag came out late and it's almost like for me, it was almost like the ref was like, oh, God, oh, fine. He just throws it. You know what I mean? They didn't want to throw it. But when you got a handful of jersey and you're stretching it and you're clearly impeding the receipt, they had to call that freaking thing. Like yeah. and even if we had like instant replays still, Zach, they would have went and looked at him and like, look at the jersey. We got to call this. Yeah. So yeah. I don't really understand the outrage. I, I really don't. I mean, I know it's painful when that happens in a big moment. But again, uh, LaFleur kicking the ball to the Bucks. you're opening yourself up to that automatic first down just as a killer and it could happen yep. and there's so many ticky-tack ways that that could happen so you know I almost feel like he almost got what he deserved there but uh, it, how can you be that pissed about that call right it, it was a hold it was yeah Ke- Kevin King left that official you know no ch- no other opportunity really it was definitely a penalty I think the only thing I'd say is like you said they called it loose all game and then you know, maybe they tightened up in this big spot late, which is what the Packers side was. It sounded like what they were most upset about, mm-hmm. just the consistency yep. consistency with the calls. And that, you know, that is important. But, you know, there's no way you can you put yourself in the shoes of that back judge watching that play happen. We got the replay from the backside of what it looked like. Like he, like you said, he's got two two hands full of jersey. That's play that's that's happening right in front of him. You know, there's no way he can keep his flag in the pocket and that play and you know I, I think King made a blatant then you know Tyler Johnson actually did a great acting job I think at the end of it he to, did. just just to make sure he got the flag yep and you know I, I think they probably enforced it wrong it probably should have just been holding and then you know not maybe pass interference but that doesn't really make a difference it was absolutely a penalty by the book you know Kevin King got beat on that route he got turned around he grabbed some jersey you know stopped his progress for a second so they had to call it, you know, Packers weren't happy with it, but, you know, I think that's more of an emotional thing than, you know, not actually looking at it rationally. 
Poor Kevin King. He had a tough day. It was a tough day for Kevin King. And uh, very tough day. You know, he's one of he's one of the many free agents the Packers have entering the offseason. So yep. Zach, I was I was almost a hundred percent sure this podcast would be different today. I, I thought we were gonna be talking about the Super Bowl. I'm still stunned that we're kind of wrapping up the season here, um, and and that's that's what I want to do here. Just you know, one quick question, kind of looking at the future. I mean, the Packers got you know a ton of free agents, and including some some bigger names, some guys on the offensive line. I think the big one there is the center Corey Lindsey. You've got uh, both the running backs Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Uh, Tough game for Aaron Jones as well. Put two on the ground, including the yep. the game changer in the third. And I agree with you that that fumble to start the third quarter. What a freaking blow that was! Oh god, that, that was bad. bad. That sucked. You know, another guy like Alan Lazard. Um, I think the Packers could easily get him back, but you know he's yep. he's technically a free agent. And Big Bob, Big Bob Tunyon, man, he's a free agent as well. Yep. There's a lot of key guys on this list. What's kind of your uh, what's your take on? You know, the, the free agents the Packers do have. And, you know, to be frank, they're kind of in a tough spot with the salary cap. <laughs> like, yep. I think they're projected to be well over the cap, right, when this thing comes out, yep. Zach. So they're going to have to not only restructure Rodgers, they're going to have to do a, you know, they're going to have to lose some guys. They're going to have to make moves to figure this thing out. It's going to be, there's going to be a lot of change. And Rodgers talked about that at length in, in the post game. He, he knows this team's going to look a hell of a lot different next year. What's, what's at the top of your list there when you're looking at, you know, some of the moves this teams are going to be forced to make? Yeah, honestly, I think that's 99% of the reason why Aaron Rodgers said what he said is because he knows how different this team is going to look next mm-hmm. year. I, you know, I was just putting together that free agent list the other night, and that took me a very long time. I was, you know, I knew it was going to be a long list, but I didn't know how long of a list it was going to be. So, yeah, you know, we've been we've been talking about this all year, how important this run was in two, 2020 for these guys because, you know, the team – there's just no way around it. It's it's going to look a lot different next year. There just isn't enough money to keep, you know, some of these guys, you know, even if the Packers redo Rogers deal and free up some space, they're just, they're still, there's just not going to be enough money, especially if the cap is at 175. They're, you know, if it's at 175 or anywhere near there, they're going to have to cut some, some vets just to get under the cap. So mm-hmm. most, of, most of these unrestricted guys that are, you know, played themselves into nice contracts, they're going to have to be gone because they just don't have the money. I think, you know, they'll find some room for, you know, a guy like Lazard and Tanya, and I think they can probably make those guys work. But, you know, this team is in for a little bit of an overhaul here in the offseason. It's going to be very busy. It's going to be a very busy couple months. I don't envy the the work ahead for, for Brian Gutekunst. I think, you know, some, some big pieces of his team and some, you know, pretty important role players, I think, are going to be gone. I think... You know, that's why I think Rodgers got so emotional the other night. I think he just knows this team is going to be different. Some of some of his guys, some guys he loves, you know, Mercedes Lewis, he loves Mercedes Lewis. He's it's a big part of the game almost, plan. Yeah, he's almost certainly going to be gone. There's just, you know, I think the big question now is, you know, can Brian Gutekind somehow patch all these holes that are going to be in the roster with some cheap bets? Can he draft well? You know, can he can he plug these holes with what he's got at his disposal and, you know, somehow keep the Packers from dropping off too much in, in 2021. I think that's, that's going to be the big storyline here in the off season. I think he's got a lot of work cut out for him. Uh, this, this team is not going to be as talented next year as it was this year, which is, is why the, the ending of this year is so disappointing. I think we haven't really talked about this off the air yet, so we'll just do it on the air. But uh, so this is our kind of our wrap up show for, 
the 2020 season. So uh, we will not be back next week. We're actually going to be off for the next month. But, Zach, I'm hearing we're going to be back in March to start talking free agency. And we're going to be back in April as well to talk about the draft. So that's exciting. I'm yeah, I am yes. too. So there will be more Packers Wire podcast content coming up. And we'll be talking about 2021 and beyond. And, and that's going to be good stuff. And I just want to say, man, it's, it's, been a, it's been a blast doing the show with you. We've, we almost went the distance this year. We probably should have. We didn't quite make it. But uh, you're so good at what you do. I love your positive energy that you bring. I mean, you, you kind of prove, I think, that you don't have to be out there uh, being an a-hole and, and having, you know, screaming hot takes at the top of your lungs for, for people to want to take in your content. So I think that's been something that's super impressive. I, I love your, uh, your energy, your positive energy, and the way you kind of go about your job. It's been a, it's been a blast, man. I appreciate that, Ryan. I, we're, we're maybe not Pat McAfee, Aaron Rodgers. But <laughs> not quite. No, not quite. I, I, think, I think this has been a good tandem. You've been a great host. Super prepared every every week to talk Packers, even though you're a Tom Brady guy. So, <laughs> um, yeah, this, this has been a lot of fun. I, I'm definitely looking forward to talking some free agency later and draft and, you know, getting back into this because this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. You didn't give me crap about my uh, Brady love either. So that's <laughs> I always appreciate that. So for Zach Cruz, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us all season. And uh, we will talk to you all in March. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.